Every world became a garden, and for every garden there was a shepherd, and for all the shepherds, a greater purpose. Open this world to the winding path, light the way where I wish to roam, across the seas of infinity for this weary traveler far from home. This is The Lost Tribe. Welcome back to The Lost Tribe. We begin this week with a reading of chapters 3 and 4 of the second book, Sins of the Father. As always, I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Ivey. If you are enjoying this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe, and follow to keep me bringing this story to you. Thank you for listening, and let's begin. Chapter 3 Trelane was a ruin. Looking over the burned and demolished city, Valkyr felt a certain sense of accomplishment. The sky was a dark red, and thunder rolled monotonously across the land. The wind whooped up in great gusts, scattering flame and debris across the streets. The mayhem pleased him greatly. Lethia's mysterious item had remained mysterious, though. He had led raids on all the city's places where a penny had indicated, but they still had nothing to show for it. He wondered, and not for the first time, what exactly they were wasting their time on here. There were other worlds to explore and conquer, to bend to their will and to feed on. The thought of finding where Mick was from and burning and devouring all that he knew and loved was especially appealing to Felkir. He had made a promise. It was another of Lethia's dark moods that brought them all out into the terrace where Felkir now stood. She had ordered servants to bring her throne out onto the terrace so she could look out over Trelane and plan out their next move. They all knew that at least one or two of the servants would be drained and thrown over the side during the course of the planning. It was just her way. Lethe was a born carnivore, and her appetite was just as demanding as Falkir's. Hmm. He couldn't remember if it was his turn to toss the corpses over or not. Jack and Penny sat to the right of her throne, acting as consultants. Nicholas and Falkir knew very well that she didn't keep either of them around for their wisdom and intellect. He didn't care. But Nicholas bristled every time he was made to do something that he saw as being beneath him. He leaned over the terrace on the railing, brooding in boredom. Falkir fought the sudden urge to stick out his foot and kick him over the side. He seemed to be daring Falkir, but he didn't take the bait. Lethe wouldn't like that. What do you mean that you don't hear them talking anymore? Lethe growled. I mean just that, my queen, Penny replied. The voices that guided me here no longer speak to me. Ever since Mick left, they've become utterly silent. Falkir took note of how Jack's hand had moved to rest close to his jacket pocket where he knew Jack kept his revolver. Jack's loyalty was always to Penny, no matter what he said or did. It didn't matter. Falkir could disembowel him before he had time to aim. He looked over to Nicholas, who was making a good show of not noticing Jack, or anything for that matter. Falkir knew that look, though. Nick was a lot like his father that way, prone to sudden bursts of anger and brutality that had been hidden by the silent storm of a sullen mood a moment before. He hated Nick for that resemblance alone. Then what use are you to me or the kingdom? Penny cringed. My queen, I must protest. Penny has proved herself to be a valuable member of our group. Her value is whatever I say it is, Jack. Jack was on his feet now. And you would do well to remember your place. My place? My place is also whatever I say it is, my queen. Without my power, those beasts out there would just be mindless monsters. Undirected and without purpose. Especially now that flesh is out of the picture. There's no one else to command your armies, Lethia. Penny will not come to harm as long as I am around. And you need me. 
Valkyr fully expected Lethia to rip Jack's arms off, or that she would ask him to do it, but there was a ring of truth in it, in what Jack said, and she knew it. In answer, she floated up from her throne, her rage in check, and moved over to stand nose-to-nose with Jack. Valkyrie noticed Jack's bearing glance to look over at him, and Valkyrie really drummed his fingers against the hilt of his dagger. Jack smirked and backed down to sit with Penny. This posturing is getting us nowhere. We're tearing at each other because we've lost purpose. Penny and I have been talking, and we think the best course of action would be to find Mick and his band. Valkyrie gripped the hilt of his dagger. I second that. The only question is where to start. Falkia, are you able to... Were there cars in the city? Nick interrupted. Because if not, there is one now. Falkia rose from his seat to join Nick at the rail. Nick pointed to a blur of motion and a shine of chrome a few hundred meters down the wide boulevard, past a large decorative fountain in the city square. Falkia could see that it was a car, and it was headed their way. Their minions, Flesh's monsters, and those citizens who had surrendered to them, we're scrambling to get out of the way of the rumbling vehicle. We're scrambling to get out of the way of the rumbling vehicle. Perhaps we should adjourn to the hall, my queen. Nonsense. Nicholas, if you will. He felt the air heat up as Nicholas crafted the green fire from his hands, a large ball of it dancing on his fingers. He took a moment to give it strength, and then hurled it like a shot put down the length of the street towards the vehicle. Whatever I've said of Nick, he was a damn good shot. The ball of fire hit the car right in the front, exploding over it and engulfing it in flames. Lethia laughed in delight. A moment later, the car exploded. Nick cracked his knuckles. Well, that certainly made my day, he mused. Don't pat yourself on the back just yet, Nick. Falky looked over to see that Jack had activated his abilities and was controlling his minions at the scene. Jack had a slightly worried look at his face. What is it? Something just climbed out of the wreckage, and it's still coming this way. I'll intercept it. They were all up now, and standing near the railing, he drew his dagger. It was a fifty-foot drop to the street from here, but he could make it. Whoever, whatever it is, it wouldn't get to Lethia without going through him. Nick's hands were filling with fire again as well. It's tearing them apart. I can't make out what it is. It's all black. As Falkir watched Jack's worried face, he also saw that Penny was staring directly out over the street, to where the conflict was taking place. Her face had gone white, and she was trembling. She took a step back. Their minions had gathered in a mob, and were attacking the intruder. Bodies were being flung in all directions. Falky moved to stand on the rail. We, we need to get out of here, she whispered. Jack, we need to leave, now. Protect the queen! I can't hold it back! Uh, shit! The crowd parted like a breaking wave, and a humanoid form all in black ran past them. Nick, do it now! Nick unleashed fire in waves, bathing the figure in green, burning death. It wasn't even slowing down. It hurled something, and whatever it was hit Nick at the head. He collapsed to the floor of the entrance. Falkir was about to jump over when the figure itself leaped, clearing the fifty feet or so in the one horrendous lunge. He struck at it with his dagger as it flew over him, then felt something wet hit him in the chest. He stumbled over to join Nick on the floor. He scrambled to get up as Penny screamed. Jack was down now, too, and the figure in black stood on top of him, one foot on Jack's neck and the other on his groin. It held the severed limb of one of the wolfmen in one hand. It struck Jack in the head with the limb, and then casually tossed the limb over its shoulder. Falkir rushed in, intending to plunge his dagger into the enemy's ribs. It grabbed his arm and twisted it around until it was a tight joint lock. Falkir reached for another knife. 
Now, now. Let's not be hasty here, boy. The blackness has appeared, and the man from Valkyr's dream, Manon, stood before him. His suit was immaculate, his expression calm and detached. I told you I would find you, Valkyr. Ready to pay the piper? Chapter 4 The floorboards above my head creaked as someone paced back and forth. They had been doing it for the last twenty minutes. My first guess would be Casey, my second Henry. I could have heard the difference if Takum was pacing, and I wouldn't have heard Otoma move around at all. I couldn't see a damned thing. The clever bastards had tightly blindfolded me so I couldn't see things directly to swap into my hands to escape. My hands were shackled behind me, so that was also holding me back. The pacing had been there when I regained consciousness half an hour ago. The murmurs above me had ceased, though. I was really hoping that maybe Case was pleading my case. But how things had been lately between us, it could go either way. I still couldn't believe they had done this. Sure, I'll be the first one to admit the things between us all had gone pretty strange since I had lost my marbles a bit back in Trelane. What I'd done to flesh, coupled with, you know, what Apostos had told us when I'd finally subdued him, probably didn't cast me in a very good light. The past was all Lyconis, though. They couldn't possibly blame me for what he'd done. They didn't know half of it, though. It was essential that I got a chance to get free and talk it out with them. For all I knew, the kingdom was working towards doing the kind of damage that would obligate Father to move against them. That, of course, would mean that I had failed, and the obliteration of all the worlds would soon commence. It hadn't happened yet, so that was good. I was sitting cross-legged on the floor, which I could tell was old treated wood by the musty smell. I could feel the room sway slightly. We were probably on board Henry's ship, and I was in some kind of cargo hold. If I remember correctly from the last time I'd been on board, there were probably a set of stairs less than ten feet away that led up to the crew deck. If only I could get free to use them. I shuffled around, trying to find a more comfortable position, but stopped as a new murmuring sound began in the room. No, not in the room. In my head. Meg. What the hell should I do here? It wasn't as if I should reply out loud. I didn't want to give my friends any more reason to suspect that there's something seriously wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you that isn't wrong with them. The difference is they haven't gone through the same ordeals that you have. Just think what you want to say. Oh good, I feel much better about all this now. I'd ask who the hell you are, but it seems kind of stupid considering the ear in my head. True. I've been trying to work my way to the point that I could contact you ever since truly. Work your way back. What does that mean? Hmm. Open your eyes in the blindfold, Mick. I'll try to let you see me. What? Can you see me? On the edge of my vision, in what would be one corner of a room if the perspective was right, there was a dark-haired young man with strange gray eyes and dressed in the robes and armor come to associate with Apostos and his brothers. He was sitting the same way I was. Suddenly, with absolute certainty, I knew him. Lyconus. Good. Nice to meet you at last. Then again, I suppose we met a long time ago when Father shoved my broken soul into you. How is this happening? Ah, my theory is that Flesh accidentally knocked me loose and unleashed the darkness in you when she fixed your hand. Before that time, I wasn't really conscious. Since then, I've been gaining strength with the darkness. I figured it was time for a talk. Well, that's great. You must not be too thrilled about the sword, then. It's supposed to be pushing back against the darkness. And the darkness will push back in return, I assure you. Let's not waste time, Mick. I'm spending a lot of power here to talk to you. 
There's some things you need to know. Oh, so spill already. I've got things to do here as well. Very well. I've been listening to everything since Trelane, especially when you were with Father. Mick, he's lying to you about what's going on, and I also think you're following him far too readily. <laughs> what choice do I have? He'll waste everything we know and love unless I do what he asks. Yes, and be assured that he can do exactly that if he wishes. It's what he said about how all this happened that bothers me. For what I've been listening to in your mind, you're about to try to convince your friends to help you. You need to be honest with them. And not follow everything on blind faith. You were a good little soldier once, Mick. And so was I. I know how it is. What do you know, Lyconis? It's what I don't know and don't remember that scares me. I remember being summoned by Father and traveling to him. After that, I remember only the time when I was that berserk, awful thing that killed my brothers and sisters and stained them with darkness. Don't you see? There's nothing in between. You don't know how you came to be infected with it. Nothing at all? No. I first thought there'd been too much damage to my essence when Apostles tried to obliterate me with the power Father had given him. However, I remember everything else. Why not that? But Apostos gave me the same breakdown of events, and why he did it. Apostos only knows what Father lets him. If one of us could be altered, why not all of us? You're freaking me out now. Good! Think about what's going on here, Mick. I... Lyconis flickered and disappeared. Hey, where'd you go? To weak, major drain on my resources. Watch out, Mick. And be aware of what you're doing. And who you serve. I'll try to contact you. Lyconis? I waited for a minute. There was no reply. He was gone, or so it seemed. Mick. Lyconis? I asked out loud. Damn it. No, it's me, Apostos. Where the hell are we? I felt my blindhold being untied, and before long I was squinting in the dim light of the cargo hold below the cabins. Apostos squatted on the deck beside me, looking around. First of all, lower your voice. We're in a bit of trouble now. How did you get here, anyway? Father bonded me to you. I was said to do your bidding. Thanks so much for that, by the way. Oh, my pleasure. I just didn't want you pulling any more of your tricks on any of us. The idea of you as my servant kind of works for me, though. Apostos grinned. So why are you tied up in the basement of this dismal place, Mick? Well, apparently my friends don't trust me after what happened in Trelane, and little tale you told about when I was Lyconis. They subdued me and tied me up down here. Hmm. Maybe Casey should have received the sword. Piss off. Untie me. We've got work to do. Apostos began to untie me. I heard a creaking on the stairs. Wait! Apostos left the ground very abruptly and slammed into the ceiling. Dust drifted down from the rafters as Apostles fell to the floor. Dacoum crouched on the stairs. His hand held out, palm down. The ghostly form of Potomo drifted through the floor, became solid, and landed on Apostles' back with his sword drawn. Seconds later, Dacoum moved down the stairs to allow Henry and Casey to join the crowd. <laughs> well, well, this certainly has to the bait, doesn't it? I did what I should have done before and swapped the bonds that held me to my left hand and tossed them aside behind my back. Otomo moved slightly, a turn of his sword that would bring it across my neck after delivering the killing blow to Apostos. Well, killing blow in name only, I guess. I struggle up to a kneeling position. Why don't we all just calm down here? Huh? <laughs> you think we're being unreasonable, Mick? Just slightly. There's a lot you don't know. Before Henry could reply, Casey grabbed his shoulder. Speak your mind, Mick. We owe you that, I guess. Fine. 
First of all, as much as I'm enjoying it, please get off of Apostos, Satomo. Otomo spared a glance to look back to Henry. Henry nodded and Otomo moved off. So, that was how it was now. Apostos dusted himself off, cast a murderous glance at Takuma and Otomo, and moved to stand beside me, his arms crossed. I stood up and flexed my arms and legs to get the cramped feeling out of them. Okay, folks, I began. It's story time. Once again, thank you all for listening and tuning in to The Lost Tribe, Sins of the Fallen. Join me next week when the story continues, and remember to follow this podcast and share it to keep that story going.